Coming up tonight, we look at the riveting conclusion to Severance. After that, we'll take a look at Slow Horses. Then, it's a look back at Forward Unto Dawn, and a look at the latest firefight mode in the Halo Master Chief Collection. All this coming up right now. Welcome back to your Thursday night home for general interest movies, games, shows, and books, past, present, and future. Tonight, I am just joined by Poyo Zapatos, a.k.a. John, my co-producer. John, how are you doing? Fantastic. Happy Thursday. How are you? Well, it's Thursday. I'm here doing my show. I think I'm doing just fine. Uh, sad to see that Carrion couldn't make it tonight. Unfortunately, he was called away to a very noble obligation we'll just say that and that our uh, thoughts and prayers and love are with him and and the person that he is assisting tonight with that though the show must go on and so go on we shall to the amazing conclusion to severance john why don't you go ahead and start us off with your thoughts well uh i'm probably like the majority of people who watched the last episode of Severance without looking ahead and pretty pissed I have to wait for season two because that was a phenomenal ending. Oh my gosh. I totally thought that we were going to get more in season one. I was really hoping for more, but the way it ended was just perfect. It was so nice. It was so fun to, to, see the majority of my our predictions come somewhat true without fully like we, we didn't predict any of this by the end of it we were completely thrown away it, it is it was amazing phenomenal ending what about you what did you think about the ending the to this sheer first size <laughs> of this show's balls are impressive because it, to not only end on a cliffhanger, but as a season one cliffhanger ending is extremely ballsy to do. And and even though they have season two, you know, for sure is confirmed, it's like e even a, when you're doing a show as a first run show, you don't typically leave too much on the table. And they left the whole show on the table <laughs> for next season. And you know what? It worked because the, the, the buildup from episode one all the way through, this is probably the best nine weeks of television I've experienced in a very long time. I cannot praise this show enough for it hits all the marks right. It's not even, it's barely violent. Like, there's hardly any gore in this in this show. It's mostly cerebral. It's mostly psychological. And I think that was the goal set out from the original writer. And they actually, they nailed it perfectly with this. I, I cannot... I cannot emphasize enough how much people need to watch this show. And that's why we, we might not be too spoilery with this review overall, just because it, it's it, it, the, the whole buildup. And then they deliver. They managed to deliver with episode nine, but also just just end it with a cliffhanger just as, as impressive as Best of Both Worlds. Like, this is probably one of the best cliffhanger endings since Star Trek The Next Generation's Best of Both Worlds. 
And that's really saying something because it is one of the most critically acclaimed endings of any show ever. And so with this one, just, just, it, it, it and, you know, sorry for the spoilers, but we don't get a satisfying, we don't, we get a satisfying conclusion, so to speak, but man, are we wanting more. Like, I'm like, I can't go a year without this show. I mean, I will, but I can't, and I don't want to. But worth the ride. Every single thing that happens ends up more or less getting an explanation. But then just the, oh, the last few sequences, I was like just gripping my seat because I was like, they're really going to end. They're going to end this on a, on a whole long cliffhanger. Season one is going to end on a cliffhanger. And I, I, I was unbelievably surprised by just the, the size sheer- of it. They, it, it, as far as cliffhangers go, they completely put us on the largest cliff face that we could ever imagine. Like, they gave us the tiniest little taste of the world, and then just were like, okay, see you next week, or next month, or whenever we release season two. We'll, we'll see <laughs> you when season two is, is, is done and, and ready to ready to watch. I... I yeah, no, bravo, huge round of applause is all I can say for this show from season one. I am ready for season two. I hope we get a season three, four, five. I mean, I could watch 20 seasons of the show. Well, maybe not. But the point is the, the entire concept was further explained and explored. But the implications of this show that this show leaves at the end are, are amazing. I'll just say that. And... What more concepts could be explored with this stuff are still yet untouched. And that's what I really like about this about this show is how much it did a good job of not treating the audience like you're stupid. They didn't explain every little detail, but they explained enough that you didn't feel lost. And the way they told the story was very well thought out. I... I I was hooked from the second I started watching this show and all the way to the end, and I'm already hooked for season two. Again, this is one of the best shows that's ever graced the airwaves, and I'm glad that it was, you know, basically our our first dive into doing this type of show. We got to start with such an amazing show, and hopefully we can continue to ride the coattails. Um, But yeah, I... Where do you even begin? Because I can't even think of any major flaws that this show has. The cast was great. Everybody worked well together. Everyone, you could tell, was very happy to be on this show. Everyone enjoyed what they were doing. And I, I don't even know... I, yeah, I, I can't. I honestly can't think of any major nitpicks or flaws with this one. Like, it's, it's probably one of the few shows that will ever be considered perfection, I think, in the long run. Now, of course, we'll see how the follow-on seasons go. The downside to doing such a brave cliffhanger with season one is now the expectations for season two are going to be that much higher. And while Ted Lasso, for example, is a great show, season two, in some parts, it kind of failed to uphold to the original season one feeling. Still good, don't get me wrong, but it just didn't make that mark. And so I think the real challenge for this show now is not necessarily being better than season one, but even just meeting the match on season one, I think is really going to be. So it's going to depend on what direction they take the show, because it could go anywhere from now. Even though we've got a cliffhanger ending, I, I just, this show could go anywhere. And 
that's 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 the most I can say. I mean, do you have any ex extra thoughts or stuff you want to dive into? I mean, uh, the entire the entire season is on the table here. We don't have to just discuss episode yeah. nine. We can discuss episode one through nine. No. No, yeah, I think we definitely should. I think we should take the time to discuss the definition of what made this show such good writing. Like, when we started this series, I I pitched it to you as like, well, this is what I'm watching. Like, I, I am going to be spending the next nine weeks watching this series, whether we talk about it or not, because that's kind of how I watch stuff. And when we started talking about it at first like i i've watched every episode at least twice now because better you know to be a better podcaster for our show but also to be more like just there was so much i missed even from corion's uh description of the last or the eighth episode going into as we discussed that show right as we were getting into this episode like, he describes some things that I completely forgot. And every single week, it didn't matter if I remembered everything or not in perfect order. I I never felt like I needed that recap. Even though I, like, I did bank on it a couple times, especially like if I would watch it after this, like after our show and stay up late to watch it, I'd be like, okay, I don't remember anything, even though we just talked about it. But then, like, as soon as it started, I was like, oh, wait, no, never mind. Skip the recap. I know where I'm at <laughs> and on, on any episode. And that it, it's such a weird thing to have a show feel like a book where you, you put the book down because you need to fall asleep for the night. But then when you go back to pick it up the next morning, you don't need to go back three pages to catch up to where you just left off. Instead, you just hit play on the next episode and you remember where you were because there's it, it, it just felt like it was it, it it worked with my brain like it didn't fight my brain even though it was breaking my brain while watching the events of the show unfold i just never felt like i forgot anything in terms of like oh did i miss a major plot point in episode three that I've now forgot for the rest of the season and I have to go back from episode one and rewatch it all in order to figure this out. No, it's like, I know I watched everything, still have no idea what's going on. Okay, I know what I remembered happened. All of this is in line, it's all congruent, but it's also wild. Like, it, it oh man it just felt good it felt like reading a book while watching the book's events unfold without being able to read into it like i couldn't take notes on the side and be like oh there's the chekhov's gun like that's gonna be important no none of that i don't i don't even know what was important in episode one versus how it ended in episode nine that would have made me see episode nine coming in any way and that that blows my mind Getting used to new functionality, trying to keep things more professional, so of course uh, that means I gotta remember to click mute. Anyway, 
there is a lot that goes on in each episode, and I didn't feel like I needed a recap every time, but then sometimes I was glad I did watch it, because like, oh yeah, there's, there's an aspect of something that came up. And I think what I really appreciated about this, just this season alone, it was a lot like watching one of my favorite movies of all time, The Prestige, which I think we're probably going to do a look back on in the future, because that is, that is a show that I hold as an example of what I think should be taught in schools of what good writing is. Um, that, that movie tells the story at different timeline intervals, and it does a very good job of showing you all the concepts fairly early, and then at the end of the film, everything's tied up. This show kind of managed to do that by the end of this episode, but also just leaves you wanting more. And that's one of the reasons why it gets high praise for me, is because it did a very good job of explaining everything, Yes, I'm probably, this is probably going to be one of the times where I'm going to watch season one again, and we'll probably do a recap episode for the premiere of season two, but I absolutely love, I just love the ride. It was good, it was, it was not impossible to follow, and I didn't, I didn't feel that it was, it was too hard for people to understand. So, again, this is an example of, of good storytelling. You can make smart, cerebral shows that don't have a bunch of action and a bunch of shoot em up blow em up nonsense. You can make a good show that is, uh, that is smart and intelligent, but I think anybody watching this, whether or not you're into popcorn flicks or you like more cerebral stuff, I think this is a show that most anybody could enjoy and get something out of because it, it, it's relatable. The show is super relatable. It takes normal, boring, nine-to-five concept and makes it into a horror movie, <laughs> essentially. And and it does a really good job, and it's not like it's not, you know, scary saw, let's play a game horror. It's it's intelligent, it's cerebral, it's it's psychological, it's really well done. And so I, I yes, I want to watch more. I'm ready for season two. I cannot, I just, I cannot praise this show enough. And that's what I keep trying to tell people. I'm like, you're not watching Severance. I mean, I don't want to do the Dwight Schrute thing and say, well, you're an idiot because, well, you know, we're all busy. We all have our lives going on. But if you're not watching Severance, you really are missing out. And you are depriving yourself of something that, that, you know, it's only nine hours roughly or give or take a few minutes on some episodes. It's not that bad to watch all the way through. And that's probably what a lot of people were waiting for was to binge watch the series. And yes, if you were waiting to binge watch this series, binge watch this series. You you will enjoy every aspect. I mean, it probably will feel overwhelming now that I'm thinking about it. If you were to binge this show right now, it's a lot. So I would honestly caution and pace yourself. I would do maybe three episodes a day at most because a lot happens in this in this 45 minutes to an hour long episodes that you, you really do want to think about watching it. See, that was one of the things, and I'm just going to go on a little bit of a personal tangent with this. That was one of the things I didn't like about Netflix, for example. While it's fine to release the show all at once, there was something that was lost, and that's that weekly, you know, the, the weekly thinking about it and chewing on it like we did because we would do our show and then the new episode would be out that night and so what i liked about i like having those week breaks because it gives us time to think about it it gives us time to analyze each episode more thoroughly and then we're not just you know overwhelmed with a bunch of information so if you're gonna binge this show i do recommend three episode a day rule if you don't feel like it's too much for you then keep going i'm not i'm not gonna tell you like there's really 
I think the only wrong way to watch a show is like this. This is the wrong way to watch a show. No, you're gonna wanna put the phone down for this one. Uh, it's, it's that good. So, yeah. Uh, any, any other thoughts before we move on to our next segment? Because, I mean, I think we've hit it without having too many spoilers. I mean, that's it's it's, uh, it's such a good ride. It's such a good solid ending. I don't even want to get too much into it because at this point, no, all yeah. we really do is wait for season two. Well, I, I don't want to just gloss over it either in terms of the fact that, like, it's, I like what you said, it's, it's, it's not a binge in a row show. Like, you getting to the end isn't the actual fun part of the show it's actually the worst part of the show it's that it ends on such a point that you want more um it, it makes you feel like it, it, it i think it's funny you talk about the difference between netflix and this where it's like the weekly releases and stuff like that i love netflix for the binge shows i love being able to come into my show and know that i'm gonna get to the end of this event by the end of season one and season two will start up with a new event and all that stuff and and this one frustrates me just like all other shows that you know used to be on like cable broadcast where you would get to the end of a season and you were just like i hope this doesn't get canceled but then they announced like right before the episode dropped that they were for sure signing on to season two so like we knew it wasn't canceled but at the same time now I'm even more frustrated because I can't wait to start this whole ride again. It, it's very much like going to Disneyland, getting in line for a ride, and being like, I'm really scared, I'm really nervous, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this, and then having the best time ever so you get back in that 200-person line and wait your turn again. And I feel like that's where we are, is we are waiting our turn in line to ride this ride again but the crazy thing is like i said i watched each episode about twice and in watching each episode twice i realized that like most of the information doesn't come across in the first viewing it doesn't even come across in the second viewing entirely and now like that it's over i just want to watch it again to see what told us anything like I feel like now that I know the ending, I can find clues for how season two may or may not go, but only clues. And it's that kind of writing, that style of writing is very risky. Like for the majority, like the first four episodes, I'd say you were you were very adamant that like you hoped this wasn't uh, think right. Uh, mystery box writing. That's what it is. Mystery box writing. And you were really worried that this could just be a mystery box writing. But now at the end, like, I don't know how you feel for sure now, but for me personally, I'm like, this is definitely not mystery box, but what's in the box? Like, I cannot handle not knowing where this all resides. And I say that purely out of how much joy this show gave me. I am so excited to watch more. I'm so excited to see this whole world realized because I was immersed from episode one I could relate to the character in terms of being somebody who wishes they could shut off the nine to five and wake up at the end every day. Like as soon as I got to work, if I forgot it and then got home and I was happy again, that'd be awesome to some extent. Now this show makes me completely terrified of that, but 
that was a relatable thing that made this world feel desirable. And now, the way it ends, it's like, oh, they're really playing on that desire. Like, they knew what they were doing. And I really can't see any form of, like, mystery box writing. But they definitely wrote a mystery box. Like, they, they, they made it without breaking it. It's really awesome. But, yeah, uh, I definitely don't feel like it's it's mystery box hack writing by the end of this. I, I think they have a clear idea of where they want to go, and at least for season one. Now, we'll see how season two goes, but they definitely planned out season one, and I hope that's the same. I hope that they just planned out and wrote both seasons, because that's the smartest way to do things. One of the biggest reasons that the, uh, the Star Wars sequel trilogy... Uh, fell on its face was for the simple fact a lot of problems of the sequel trilogy could have been solved if they just planned the whole thing out in, in, in ahead of time that would have solved most of the issues with that series so that seems to be the case here is that they didn't just like you know put out a first season and see if people like it i, I think they were like you know what whether or not we get one person to love this show or a million people to love this show we're gonna make it we're going to do what we want and we're going to do our show. And, and that's, that's what I see here. I don't see a product that was put together with the anticipation of expecting millions upon millions of viewers. I see a product that was well thought out, that was going to be what it's going to be. And, and that was the focus was telling a good story first and foremost. None, none of the other usual checkbox stuff. It was, it was, nope, we're just going to make a show. We're going to cast some people. Hopefully they work together. Oh, look, they all did. And, uh, and here it is. Enjoy. This is entertainment at its best. And this is what I want to see most companies shift back to is good entertainment. Apple TV has been featured on our show most of the time for the simple fact that Apple TV is putting out good products that we want to, to, to show and talk about. And so that's why right now, <laughs> you know, the, the day may come, the day may come. When, uh, when we no longer have an Apple TV show at the front of this show or even a part of this show, but that's definitely not happening anytime soon. So just something to keep keep aware out there for all you network producers and show producers trying to push something. Severance is a good idea to draw from, not necessarily just trying to go from the concept, but just there's so much going on. It's not just the concept that was really the good. effort. Huh? It's the effort. The yes. amount of effort into putting together a quality cast a quality story a quality experience like as a viewer i don't feel like i wasted a single minute and as a podcaster i feel like this is going to be the thing that actually launches our show is in terms of like there like anybody who comes to our show and finds out that we like severance and then goes and watch severance is going to say thank you for showing me severance because it was awesome that's the effort i'm talking about yeah, and that's and that's what that's what I want to see more of. It's just it's it, it starts it started with good writing, then they wrote good characters. They had a great concept to explore, and they explored it pretty well, even just in the first season. And it's it's well acted, well casted. There is nothing bad that I can say about this show. I, I got nothing bad, honestly. I can't. Nothing's coming to mind, and I'm really trying to rack my brain. Like maybe even some nitpicky stuff here and there. That I I just overall 
this show was worth it. Uh, there wasn't a single dull moment. And, and every, like, especially the last couple episodes leading up to the finale, I was, like, screaming at the top of my lungs at my TV because I, I could, I, oh, my gosh, what a ride. What a ride yeah. this show has been, and I cannot wait for season two. I'm ready for season two, like, tonight, and I'm sad we don't get to. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm only sad because I'm excited for how season two's going to end. Like, it, it's that, the, the it's, just, it's similar to the, the wait for each of the Lord of the Rings. Maybe not so much The Hobbit, but when it came to watching The Two Towers and then waiting for Return of the King... I was just sad that I had finished two towers too fast. I'm sad that this ended too fast. I would rather have started season one the day season two is about to drop. So that way I can get right into season two. But not in terms of like, I, I wish I postponed this because I don't. I, I love this show. It's so much fun. And like, I would rather be sad now than have waited to watch the show because the show's phenomenal and it's so much fun. I, I enjoy the fact that a show can make me miss it right after it ends. Like, that's a wild feeling from an inanimate object. And I, I think it's it's beautiful. I think it's well done, well written, and just, just given in all, like, the beats were correct. Even Corion, he described what we should expect according to the standard metrics of shows. And instead of it being like a blunder on that path, it was a solid telling. It, it hit the, it had solid pacing. It, it took you along a journey and it was able to go off to the side and you know, deal with some other things that made other characters important. As you know, the story grows, we start to see the importance of all the characters. But they didn't. There was no filler. No episode felt like I just need to get through it. I feel like I learned something new about the world in every single episode. I was really nervous that maybe one of our shows would be like, "All right, we're gonna do episode X of." Uh, Severance, and honestly, it was, uh, yeah, it was a show that we watched. Next topic. Not once, not once. We've spent the first 30 minutes of every show discussing that in an episode, and that is awesome. (laughs) I, I love that. Yeah, that that is the uh, that is definitely the mark of what really makes a good show is the fact that we have nothing bad to say overall, aside from uh, you know screw you guys for going for such a ballsy cliffhanger. <laughs> that's really the only bad thing I could say, and that's if that's the worst thing that anyone can say about your show, uh, you know, yes, the trick is going to be recapturing that magic for season two, but even then. This season alone, like I have been saying since we started, this first season is a win either way. You managed to create something amazing, something very special, something memorable. And so I don't even think it's, it's, yes, I expect, I have high expectations for season two, but we'll see how it goes. I will say it was worth the ride to explore the concept even in season one, and I hope that continues in season two. I think season two is going to be a little bit more on the political side, not so much the, uh, you know, the, the exploring the concept like we saw in season one. I think a lot of what's going to be happening is is it's just going to be kind of going, okay, now you guys are familiar with how the system works. 
here's where it goes. Um, I'm willing to bet that the first season begin or that the second season begins with either Heli or Mark on the table. Like that's how it's gonna start, and then and they're just gonna be like, oh no, and and it's it's just it's gonna just go from there like explaining you know how they they didn't quite succeed but now the message is out and mark while he was thinking of quitting is now thinking like oh maybe i shouldn't i don't know i don't know how they're gonna set up season two but the way they left off like it could go anywhere and i don't know i, I just i don't know and i'm okay with that because most of our uh, most of our theories so any final thoughts with severance john yeah, just hurry up release the next season let's go i'm ready well thankfully uh taking giving us a, a bit of a hot handoff here so to speak is another apple tv show that well i wouldn't say is quite on par with the uh the cerebral implications of severance it is still a good show so far and has already taken turns that i didn't see coming and i am very i'm, I'm looking forward to two things with slow horses one I look forward to getting to the end just so we can read the book and do a proper book show comparison. But I think you're right, John. For now, we kind of need to... We're already in the show. Let's not ruin it for us. Let's enjoy the show, see how they do. And then we can do a comparison when we go back. But uh, yeah, Slow did. Horses is definitely a slow start. Those first couple episodes were a little... You know, we'll see where this goes. And now in episode three, we have the show saying the quiet part out loud, implying that intelligence agencies engage in false flag operations, which <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing before. But anyway, John, why don't you go ahead and tell us why you like slow horses? Well, uh, in total, um, I, I love spy movies, man. I, I've always loved James Bond. I love Jason Bourne. Any kind of movie that talks about the shadow governments to me it's the most fun because when it comes to world destroying events you can theoretically have billions that they subvert like you can just have an infinite number of events to subvert because theoretically there could be bad actors capable of such events and so spies always have a job both in real life and they have a place in fiction that makes them so open to possibility. And this show is doing a very, it's a very interesting, I'm getting so many mixed signals from this show in terms of what kind of spy story are we experiencing? Are we experiencing the come up journey of River? why he started in the lowest ranks of MI5 and we're going to watch him one day become 007 or are we watching those events but they're not actually those events are we being misled by the writers are we being misled by the story and episode 3 automatically tells us you're being misled but in what direction <laughs> because it wasn't the the corporate mi5 knew what they were doing had everything set up to you know create a false flag event and had it all under wraps instead it was the arrogant mi5 who thought that they were untouchable and unbeatable and could just propagate a false flag event without 
proper planning. They didn't bring half the group. Like nobody knew what was going on. And now as we like end episode three, nobody's in control of the situation anymore. And so it's one of those false flags that inspired a real terrifying possibility. Like it, 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 it's everything that we're seeing in modern times with modern groups trying to show us who the bad guys are. And so in doing so, they set up, uh, they infiltrate bad actors or what they perceive to be bad actors, groups of bad actors. And from there, they instigate so that they can then uh, subdue, right? They, they, they find people that are willing to cooperate, be cooperating witnesses, be, um, I forget what the, the intelligence term is for somebody, um, but basically they find somebody in an organization who may or may not be hot-headed and motivated to commit major atrocities. And then they try to convince them to, at least on paper, carry it out so that they have a paper trail to then arrest and put them in prison for. And this show took those ideas and then showed that when agencies do this, it's almost entirely arrogant. Whether or not it works or doesn't work, you're putting a lot of unnecessary risk on everybody. You're... you're giving yourself a black eye and i think it goes back to what you said last week when you were talking about the the implications of slow or slough house being utilized as a uh, uh fall guy a scapegoat portion of mi5 and Sort, sort of like a pseudo suicide squad is what I was implying. Like they're yeah, not exactly like that. That's what Curry Owen said, and I was like, well, yes, but that's that's not their primary purpose, and that I still feel is the case. Like, like the the lady at who's in charge of MI5 right now, uh, she definitely seems to be, um, she seems to like want to try and use Slow Horse or Slow House as that as that fall guy. And Gary Oldman's character is like basically giving her maximum pushback all the time, saying, "No, we're not. We're not here. Yes, we suck." But I mean, he's his. The line was great. You know, she's like, "Oh, I didn't realize you cared about these people so much." Like, I don't. But they're. I think they're. I think they're all losers. I mean, he uses some more French dialect for that, but he says, "I think they're all losers." And uh, and he's like, "But they're my losers," and that's like a that's like a way of of saying that that you actually care without having to say out loud that you actually care. And, and that's what I, that's, yeah. So it's like, there's kind of a bit of a civil war between, Oh, you know, Slough House is just the losers. Anyway, we can use him as our fall guy. Gary Oldman's kind of like that buffer going, mm, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's funny. He, he, he called them losers. Right. But he says they're my losers. And so it's saying it's not about caring for, the each individual through their individual journey it's like no you assigned me a team i'm a good leader whether or not you assign me the worst team or the best team 
And obviously we both acknowledge that they're the worst team, but they're my team. And if you're going to try and put their head on the chopping block, I'm going to put yours first and we're going to wrestle until we find out who's gets there. Because like, it, it's that's what we were, or I was attempting to discuss in the last episode, not really discuss, but portray is it, it really felt like Gary Oldman was faking the quitter, I'm done mentality. And more in terms of just like, we're never going to get a good case. So take what we get and just deal rather than like try it. Like, like he, it really felt more. And now more than ever, it feels more like he's telling river suck the suck and you'll get out of here. But if you don't suck the suck, they're going to find a reason to push you out. And now as we, you know, as the events of episode three, uh, transpire, we know that that's exactly who he is. Is he actually wants his people out, but up, not down. He doesn't, he has no intention of tripping them and making them fall on their face. But if they trip and fall, he'll laugh at them on their way down. And that felt, it feels real. Like not every boss is a good leader, but every great leader is always a great leader, no matter who they're leading. So yeah, and he, he definitely he definitely puts the the needs of the team. He obviously cares about the team. He obviously cares about trying to help these guys restore their reputation. But he's 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 one of those teachers that's like, you know, don't waste my time. Okay, I know I've been doing this for a very long time. I know how to go about handling these situations. And yes, I'm abrasive because we got to think of it from his perspective. How many idiots have come through Slough House and have not been redeemed? Like, how many idiots has he tried to, like, like when he was put in charge of Slough House, he probably started it and was like, yes, I'm going to try and make this work. I'm going to try and help these people. And then, and then they don't help. They self-destruct. And he's like, wow. So I just wasted my time trying to help these guys. So now we see, like, he's been through some of those guys. He's already had those, those washouts come through that now it's like... The goal to succeed is on you. I will help you get there. I will make sure that our team doesn't get screwed in the process. But you've also got to want to not get screwed in the process. And that's how he comes off to me anyway. Like, no, yes, he's abrasive. Yes, he, he's, he definitely gives the, the cold shoulder at times. But that's probably because he's like, if it's not work-related, I don't care. And when he leaves work, we don't know what he does in his off time. Clearly, clearly his house is is better than Slough House because we saw two of the characters who were gonna go back to work to, uh, you know, have some uh, some fun time, and he even remarks like, "Oh, I can't imagine how bad your house must be that you'd want to actually come back here to do things." And it's like, so clearly he must have maybe a higher standard of living, or maybe he lives in a dump. I don't know. I don't know anything about Gary Oldman's character. But I definitely like that that we got more focus on him this episode and less on River, which which is good because it means that this show isn't necessarily uh, focused on one central character. It's gonna be it's gonna be a team show, uh, similar to Peacemaker in that regard. And so yeah, I think it'll be good. I, I've liked it so far. I am looking forward to, to episode four to see how things progress because I did not see that ending coming at all. Um, but of course, I, I, I had a feeling that discount Sean Bean was probably going to die, um, mainly because he looked like Sean Bean and what do you know? He did. He didn't make it to the end of the season though. So he just made it to the third episode, which, Hey, 
In true Sean Bean tradition, you have now been killed off. Congratulations. That's going to be your role. You will now be the spoiler because everyone sees you in movies. They'll know that you die. Hopefully not. I really hope he doesn't get those types of cast roles. But I, I, I saw it when, like, I, I think the first couple frames you see him on camera, I was like, holy crap, they got Sean Bean? I know who's dead. And then, of course, you find out, oh, no, that's discount Sean Bean. And what do you know? It was discount Sean Bean because he also died. So. <laughs> How did you think that the uh, the dude who killed him? Did you think that was the spy? Because um, they kept they kept like trash talking him, like saying he wasn't motivated enough, and he seemed to have the most conflict with the whole situation. Like I legitimately thought, like I, I thought a that that kid was gonna die. And B, like, I thought it was, too, like, so obvious, like, how does, like, like, I thought I was smart. I thought I had figured it out, like, which one's the spy? And I was just so wrong. I, you know, <laughs> but that remains unresolved right now. We'll see what tonight's episode holds. But, yes, I, I, I started questioning the the possible possibility of misdirection because they had the guy who, who you know, who killed him, took his phone... And, you know, he he's goes up to the bathroom and he's texting. And we don't know who he's texting. And the way they've cut the show together, you think that's the guy that's on the inside. But when he had the axe and he was thinking of, of, of killing, I thought, okay, either one of two things is going on right now. Either one, he's playing with the axe to sell the fact that he is, he is, the, he is the insider, he's the mole, but... He's just doing this, you know, to, to, to make himself seem less Brownie suspicious. Brownie points with the team. Yeah, someone saw that he was taking two-hour shits, and now it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta sell it, right? But then I started wondering, oh, what if Discount Sean Bean is the actual insider? And I guess we'll find out on episode four because that could always, that could definitely be the case here. And it's, I, I, I'm impressed. It's not like Severance. It's different from Severance, but the writing is definitely of a high caliber so far. It's done a very good job of doing misdirection and, and kind of leading towards, oh, you think it's going to do this? Well, guess what? It's not. Or, oh, you think it's a false flag? Hey, guess what? You're right. So, yeah, it's really playing into the themes very well. I, I, I feel like they're just, they're using the, the politics as a, as an, it's just Cover. a writing element. It's not trying to say something one thing, one way or the other with the politics. It's literally pointing out the insider nonsense of this is how these people operate. They don't care about left or right. They don't. They they, they just care about power. And that's what we see with the lady who's in charge of MI5. She cares about power and control. That's what she wants. Whereas Gary Oldman, I disagree with you on that one. I, it, okay. I don't think it's so much about power. I think it's about establishment. It, like you, you see her. Like she's attempting to start this coup, and she explains it in a very mathematical way. Right? She's like, if we get one then everybody who cheers these this group on is probably willing to do the same thing so we can do like in america it's called a rico case i don't know if that is something that britain has as well I don't um know. something to rico, follow up for next week <laughs> right a rico case is going to be where they it's a racketeering and trying to get the entire group at once for the actions of a subset of the group and so 
it seems like that's what she was attempting to set up was a rico case like if we start this false flag we can blame it on the sons of Alb albini or albion or something like that and she's she's trying to you know set that case up so then the government can swoop in and put all these people in jail all the hard and um the 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 white supremacist groups they're they're trying to wrap them all up into one total like let's get all of the bad agents all the killers and all this super hardcore going to hang people killers and get them all arrested at once and I feel like that's just a very standard issue establishment move. Like that's kind of what America thought when they invaded Iraq and Afghanistan. They were like, if we show up, we take the head off the snake, the entire body dies. But they didn't realize that the head of the snake was barely even the head of anything. And that the entire region was or organized into un uh, ununited, uh, or not disorganized and decentralized factions of whether it was tribes city states regions it was it, it just was impossible and i think that's similar to what this the main lady of mi5 she's realizing her second desk of mi5 like that's what she's starting to realize or maybe will realize throughout the show is that like while most white supremacists can agree on white supremacy, they can't necessarily agree on how to achieve white supremacy, which is what was portrayed when the uh, the the parliamentarian is approached by the um, the journalist, and the journalist is like, I know, I have photos of you you know at these rallies doing these things being a part of this group i will ruin you and the parliamentarian goes you have nothing you are nothing get out and it turns out the journalist is like supporting this cause while simultaneously reporting that this cause is a false flag he's saying like no 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 we weren't ready to make the move yet yet this group did and i think that was it's a really well done series of plot lines in one central plot and the way they're giving us the different pieces of exposition make it seem more about the establishment trying to be audacious and now it's backfiring on them because they didn't actually plan this out because this is a one woman army like she didn't share her plans with anybody she hasn't shared any of her plans with anybody that's why one of her uh what did they call them the, the dogs one of the dogs dies in slough house because he was retrieving illegal monitoring devices and the devices are illegal because they were mi5 on mi5 and it, it, the, the show explains how it's those shouldn't have been there and that's like in the scene that we just watched there that's what we're witnessing is we're literally witnessing a failed attempt at good espionage and now i think what we're gonna get is the backfire of that like she's just being a spy with control of all the spies i don't necessarily think it's a power game still getting used to the new setup and that's just it. This is what we do. This is what we do on the shows. We theorize. We talk about different ideas, and, and we'll see. But it definitely showed a good. Uh, you definitely saw something with the 
journalist scene that ties into what I'm what I'm hinting at here, and that is that politicians are are extremely two faced. And that's exactly what we saw when the journalist went and visited the politician. Is it's like, oh, it's my good friend and you know my buddy, blah blah blah. And then it's like, what are you doing here? I don't want you around. You're a liability. Blah 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 blah. Politician BS. Politician BS. And he's literally there because he's concerned about him getting into a position of power because of what's going on. And all he's trying to do is help him. But of course, the politician knows best. They know what's best for their own campaign. They know what's best for themselves. And so he it basically ignores them and tells them to piss off. And so he does. And we'll see what happens if there's any more resolution with him because he's still tied to the to the story as well. So very much so cuz it he plays like a journalist that may be a, a a supporter of the movement or he may have been labeled a supporter and he's worried about his friend who's actually, you know, making progress but because of the media's slander of the journalist now the politician friend doesn't want to associate with him in any way. He's not even like from the moment the guy showed up he was like there was a very solid line of tension declared and it really felt like the the journalist was he wasn't baiting him he wasn't even like can i get your opinion on this he was legitimately like hey i know i'm a journalist but as your friend stuff's going down that you need to distance yourself from and his friend goes i already don't know anything about that i know you're probably recording me and like that tension just rises to like what you said like he kicks him out of his house and that oh man i i love that that's actually a really great point that like the politician could be a major actor in the white supremacy group as a whole and the journalist like coming to confront him to help him may have double backfired now the journalist could be done with the cause and he's not going to support his friend and he's going to rat his friend out or his former friend out or we could see that the politician actually is done with all of that the white supremacy stuff and the journalist is going to try to paint him in a bad light and it, it could just go so many ways it's wild yeah it is and i'm looking forward to the next episode and i'm really looking forward to how this this show plays out but also to like i said i, I think the thing i'm most excited for is doing yet another book and show comparison um it, it seems like this is becoming more mainstream where where books are being lifted and and put on screen and uh so yeah that's that's a good sign for me um and anyone else out there who's who's published their own book because hey you might get picked up by Apple, which so far, um, they're doing your books a service. I don't know if we've actually been able to make that determination yet. Have we? No, we haven't. Um, I, I think with, uh, I'm trying to think of what, yeah. So, it, um, it wasn't Amazon. It was originally sci-fi that did the expanse. They're probably True. the best example of, of transcribing a book to screen because apparently it's got about an 80% accuracy overall. Um, I, last I had checked, the author, I believe, signed off on the screen release as as approved. And so... 
and then we had Reacher from Amazon. So, well. oh, right, that's right, Reacher. That's what I was trying to think of. Thank you. Yes, Reacher from Amazon. Another good example of taking the book and putting it on screen. And yes, you can update it to modern stuff. So I'll be curious to see how much of this show has added stuff versus how much of the original book is being drawn from. And it's it's going to be exciting to to see when we get there. Um, but so far, I, I think we've pretty much covered all we need to on this topic. Um, we got a new episode for this tonight, and of course, all week to think about it. But for now, we're going to switch gears and do, I guess you could call it sort of a callback. If you are fed up with the Halo TV series, then I strongly recommend that if you haven't yet... You make time to check out Forward Unto Dawn. This was originally a, uh, a Halo fan production that I believe did get an endorsement from 343 later on as being officially canonized. Uh, if not, I don't care. It's officially canon as far as I'm concerned. And as far as most other Halo fans are concerned, this is one of the best live action products to ever be put out there for Halo fans. And, uh, John, you originally went into this a little bit apprehensive when we talked offline. And, uh, then I got an interesting text from you today. So, why don't you go ahead and tell us what you think? Well, I, uh, I've been following the release of Paramount Plus's Halo. And when I first watched the Forward Unto Dawn, I was mostly, uh, like, I, I... I liked it, I guess, in terms of it being, like, I recognize that it's fan fiction in terms of quality. Like, it, it's not going to be the most up-to-date costumes. It's not going to be the most... Like, I, I honestly, I had this vision before I watched it this morning uh, that it was going to be about the same in terms of Master Chief quality and uh, just in terms of, like, armor. Um, I knew it was better than the Paramount Plus, but I couldn't remember why. And re-watching re it this morning, I remembered everything. Why? Um, because it's accurate. It, 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 I, I loved Ford Unto Dawn. Um, it, knowing that it's fan fiction helps you automatically bridge the gap between, like, why their armor looks like it could be spray painted styrofoam versus why their armor or versus why whereas in the other one it looks like they tried to invent in a version of the suit that doesn't make any sense so um, i i can i can explain some context to that yeah um, for the sure. reason why the uh the armors and the weapons look like garbage in the paramount plus series it is because they're cgi mostly that that is probably what's hurting the show the least <laughs> to say to say among many other and i just oh man i thought about putting the clip up from the last episode but i decided not to but i'm just gonna bring it up for the for those who watched when we first covered the halo show i made the joke about him taking off his helmet that he got naked and by episode three, apparently he actually did get fully butt bare ass naked. Yeah. He, uh. Anyway. <laughs> back um, to good Halo. Yeah, so 
the thing about this one See, is... See, that's probably one of the better things about this series is he doesn't take his helmet off. I'll just say that right out. That's the whole point of why I brought it up in the first place. He's He is the Master Chief from the game. It literally looks like you play the ending of Halo 3, he walks onto the set of this show, and then he's back in the, in the, in the thing for Halo 4. So... This one, it, it felt so much more real. Like, this is what I've been describing for, like, the last, like, whenever, either, anytime we talk about people taking over somebody else's series. If you're gonna, if you're gonna take over somebody else's work, you have to respect the rules set forth by their work. Otherwise, you're plagiarizing and just arbitrarily deciding what matters and because somebody else already defined a standard you are now not within the standard and you look disuniform and that's why people are so disgruntled with this other halo is this show took a character that in the game plays a vital role in the story of that game but doesn't take play take a vital role in the player experience in terms of you don't get to know Lasky from a different perspective in Halo. Um, in the game, while you're playing the game, you run into him, he helps, he does his thing, he plays his part in the overall story, but he's a character. He's just another part to add to the game experience. In this movie, they gave him life. They took somebody that was basically an NPC that could be replaced with any name with any story and could play their role in those scenes of the game and be a character in the game no matter what and then they gave him a story that now if the new paramount plus tries to bring in alaski they've ruined it they, they, they can't because ford under don did lansky's story already justice according to the halo series but also justice in terms of a character arc he had a story that mattered and watching the show again and especially when it comes from like like one of the reasons i didn't like the ford under dawn when it came out in 2012 is because it was dealing with movies like transformers and it was dealing with other big box office cgi masterpieces where these people were really wearing cool armor or were really cool machines and just looked awesome and then you see adults playing cosplay in halo gear that doesn't even look like anything we've seen in the halo universe aside from a few cutscenes, um in terms of like the officer uniforms or the cadet uniforms like we don't really get a whole lot of that in halo the games but in this story they made it work and they tied it in and they weaved it into the narrative in such a way that it it worked that it didn't break anything and when master chief shows up i didn't remember how he showed up before i watched it today and watching it again i watched him show up and just the perfect way master chief would show up i'm here i need to get you out why do you need to get us out because you're the last people alive and that's why i'm here because you're the last people alive I found you. I, my job was to find any survivors. You are the only survivors. Let's go. Whereas in the Paramount Plus, it's like, why are you doing this? I don't know. Why are you doing this? I don't know. Why are you here? I don't know. What are you going to do? I don't know. 
Like, that's not Master Chief. Yes, he's he's uh, stoic in his responses in the game. Like, in terms of when he sacrifices himself by riding the Covenant Bomb off of... Uh, was it Ford Unto Dawn or was it the Infinity? Um, uh, that was Cairo Station that he, that he rides the bomb off of. There you go. So in Cairo Station, he rides the bomb off and everybody's asking what are you gonna do and he doesn't say oh i don't know he just doesn't say anything he just does and everybody's like but he's he actually does say what he's gonna do he says he's gonna give the covenant back their bomb but that's a pretty uh it is a pretty ambiguous statement though right exactly it's ambiguous not declarative he's not stating oh i'm gonna make it up as i go like yes i'm i'm going i'm going to take the bomb down to the bottom of the elevator and then i'm going to release all the air and then i'm gonna fly it out no he just just simplifies it with a simple expression that you're like okay uh, wait what did he just say how's he gonna deliver oh he's riding he's falling on what a what a hero sacrificing himself for this station like even though you know that it's the first game in the story was that halo 3 it's halo 2 uh, but it is the most halo story 2. driven halo game first uh, after halo right and it was the first like major mission in the game so you automatically know as a player that you're not going to be playing a one hour campaign so the one hour that it took you to get to this scene you're like obviously he's going to survive but as far as heroes sacrificing themselves go this is one of the coolest heroes doing one of the coolest sacrificial things, right? It, it's fun, also surprising, also not, like, he, he, he isn't saved by plot armor. He's saved by ingenuity and his team, and because he sacrificed himself, that made his team willing to sacrifice themselves. But in Halo Paramount Plus universe, it's... Why are you here? I don't know. What are you doing? I don't know. Why would you kill people? Because I was ordered to. Like, it's it just, it, there's just no justice. It, it, it's not, it's not even funny when it comes to the Paramount Plus version. It's not like, uh, oh, I don't know, I'm going to wing it. And it's like Archer's version of wing it. No, it's flat, monotone. I don't belong here. I don't know why I'm here. And I'm also the most elite person in this universe. I, I didn't but know why I was watching. And, and yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I don't necessarily want to turn this into a bash of the series, but at the same time, I mean, it, it bears it bears worth it bears repeating worth saying. This fan production, which according to the trailer here, it apparently was uh, given the blessing by three four three. This is a quality product because one, they use props. Okay, none of this CGI gun nonsense. Two, all of the costumes, as you said, while it is like an adult cosplay, that's what makes it enjoyable, is it's so authentic because it's true to the universe. This is all believable. Um, you go back to talk about when you first watched it. When I first watched it, uh, I got it when they were releasing it in the little 30-minute segments before they, they, they had the full release. And uh, even from episode one, which if you remember, the first 30 minutes are kind of a little dry and they drag a little bit. But even then, I was just excited to, to, to have something that, that took place in the Halo universe that was live action and finally getting the on-screen treatment it deserved. And, and this, this production did exactly that. Like, why nobody picked these guys up to do a proper Halo series 
Um, huge ball and opportunity missed. Huge ball dropped. Massive opportunity missed for something great. Because this is the production team that should be in charge of the Halo TV show. Not a bunch of, of phony-ass writers that didn't even once play the game, that didn't even know anything about the universe, but you're going to copy-paste all the stuff for this universe, you're going to plagiarize every single aspect, and then deliver a craptastic story on top of it. It, it just it doesn't work, okay? Well, how many times do we have to keep doing this? How many times do we have to keep giving well-established properties to hack writers before we figure it out, guys? Like, it, it's it's not that hard. The fans know what to do for a good production, okay? Yes, some fan fiction is pretty bad. Don't get me wrong. I am familiar with bad fan fiction, okay? I, I read, like, five paragraphs of an Obi-Wan and Padme love story. It was pretty stupid. But that's not all fan fiction, okay? This... Not even half of fan fiction. This is real fan fiction... That is 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 not even. It was it was so good that three four three basically gave its blessing when they when they you know hijacked all of Halo. This is the show that we deserve. This is the show that we want. Okay, and it doesn't even show Master Chief until like closer to the end. That's how good this show was. I care. I care about every single character in here. As far as every single character shown for the UNSC, I couldn't give two shits about any of them. If if. If Captain Keys was killed off, I would be like, okay, who cares? Miranda Keys killed off, whatever. They're all a bunch of fascist idiots. I don't, I don't like the UNSC in the Silver Universe. They are bad people. They are not worth rooting for. These I guys are. Give their credit I'm to actually their universe. It's the Paramount Plus Universe. When Paramount some of them Plus die, I'm actually sad. I actually feel for these characters, and we only know them for the for the hour and forty five minutes that this 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 thing goes for. But it's good. When Lansky goes through the Lasky, the Lasky, I can't mess up his name. When hey, Lasky don't, goes don't sweat through, it, man, we're here to help each other. <laughs> yeah. When Lasky goes through the emotional turmoil of having to decide whether or not to stay in the UNSC cadet program because he has a very valid medical reason to bail. I felt that. I felt it as somebody who's met guys that had to suffer that, but I also felt it as an audience member just meeting a new character. And even though I've watched this before, watching it again, I still re-felt those emotions. Every time I, if I were to watch this 10 times, I would feel all of the beats that they were trying to make me feel. And that's what frustrates me about the Halo Plus universe, Paramount Plus universe, is that every time I watch it, I am reminded of what bad writing looks like. I'm reminded of what bad audacity looks like. I'm reminded of what arrogance looks like. And I am so happy that it was a streaming service that thought that they could just outdo Netflix because they used to make fun of Netflix when Netflix was on its rise. And they failed so absolutely hard on their first IPO. But at the same time, I'm 100% disrespected by every single person who put any time into that project. And that's... That's what bothers me, is like, 
we know for sure that the new Star Wars sequel trilogy written by people that supposedly were fans of Star Wars, that were supposedly avid supporters of their fans, we were told they were the ones taking charge and they were going to carry the universe the way the fans mostly wanted. But instead what we got was a hacking together collage of all the CGI that didn't exist in the other six movies. Like, the, the amount of force powers that we get in the new Star Wars was so much more intense. The amount of uh, uh, ship battles and ship powers and prowess was way more uh, realized because computers could can do it better now. But in terms of story writing, there's no story. There's no character arcs. There's no anything worth remembering so much so that all of the extracurricular funds that all the other Star Wars garnered, i.e. Lego Star Wars, Legos that are Star Wars, and then uh, all the Star Wars merchandise, all the Star Wars events, all the Star Wars hotels and themes and any kind of thing that was related to Star Wars, nobody bought into any of that. BB-8 was not the new R2-D2. And this is the same thing that's going on with Paramount Plus's Halo, is they thought that the reason why people are fans of Halo is because there's a big guy that can do a lot of good killing. End statement. That's why people like Halo. It's an FPS first-person shooter that people kill a bunch of aliens and everybody loves to kill aliens. But that was... There's hundreds of those games. None of them have like been as profound as halo until halo and even after halo everybody that tried to chase halo never amounted to what halo amounted to yeah because they wrote amazing narrative amazing narrative design into a video game and that's why people fell in love with master chief it's not just that i was this cool super soldier it's that i was an honorable super soldier even though I wasn't necessarily the best player character. Well, and, and you're forgetting you're forgetting one uh, one major component to the Halo series that truly made it stand out, and that is the soundtrack, the mar uh, the iconic and memorable da 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 da, and every other single song that goes along with through all of the Halo soundtracks. That is what truly also made it stand out as a different first-person shooter game because it, it, and even if you actually listen to the music itself and you and you and you watch interviews for the inspiration, it's it, you're you're blown away because it's almost like the two don't actually belong together, and yet they work perfectly. And you didn't notice that playing the game because you're like, oh yeah, this seems really good. And of course, when it strikes up at all the heroic moments, the game really does a good job of making you feel like the hero and that's the problem with the show is the show presents us with a monster the show presents us with with this 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 thing that i don't know that we're supposed to root for him am i supposed to root again i I don't even know what the show and then this is the worst part is that god-awful opening theme 
Like, they, none of the iconic music, the iconic music didn't hardly hit the trailers until like the last trailer when they're trying to sucker us all into a subscription. And then even did, when did the show started, kind of, it just kind of eh, was there in the background. But overall, here's our main theme that's not going to have any of the iconic music at all. And I've heard the excuses that, oh, well, there's the falling out with Martin O'Donnell or whatever it is. No, no, I don't not care. Falling out. No, I don't it's, care it's about better. your excuses, okay? Paramount I'm a fan. spent $200 million on this botch, and they didn't think to spend any of it on Martin O'Donnell's soundtrack because the Just audio director... The Martin O'Donnell. Well, no. So when the Bungie 343 Fallout uh, showed up, Martin O'Donnell, who is the audio director for Bungie, took his copyrighted material with him. He said, like, that's why even in the modern Halos, they're not as good um, in terms of the soundtrack. Or if they have any soundtrack, it's due to legacy contracts versus... Martin, like Martin O'Donnell is no longer writing for them. Uh, Michael Salvatore is no longer writing for them in any sense because they still work with Bungie and not 343. Like they lost everything. And then Paramount Plus decided to copy and paste the legally acceptable version of the soundtrack so that's why we have one singer not a choir opening with ah, 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 and it's all out of tune that's because they would get sued because they're so bad at their jobs the reason i bet you money the reason why martin o'donnell and michael Salvatore didn't actually you know sell the rights to their music to but paramount plus was because they saw what paramount plus was going to do with it and they didn't want to give them the credit they didn't deserve. They didn't want to give them their endorsement by granting their music. And that's perfect evidence that Paramount Plus wasted their money in every single respect. Like, it, it is just laughable. Like, if, if the people that write the music for the games think your show is so bad that they're not even going to spend... They're not even going to let you give them a dollar amount. <laughs> you should probably go back and write, you know, script 254. Apparently they wrote 232 scripts for this show. And that's just bonkers. Yeah, 200 plus 232 uh, piles of crap is probably what that is. Yeah, and obviously... <laughs> Some people that were related to the original Halo, whether it was Combat Evolved or, I mean, like Martin O'Donnell and uh, Michael Salvatore, they legitimately, they dipped with Bungie. And then that's where 343 came in and just did this. Like, 343 endorsed and supposedly worked with Paramount Plus to produce the garbage that they produced. Like 343 doesn't even have the right to call anything canon or not canon because 343 explicitly went into the Halo verse with hiring people that hated Halo. It's even stated in their uh, interviews on the post Halo 4 releases. Like, no, we chose people that hate Halo to make the new Halos so that we could hit a wider audience and you just cut all of your audiences out 
like Halo Infinite had to go to Game Pass because nobody, there were almost no pre-orders. Nobody wanted it. That's why it's free to play. Like nobody wants it even when it's not free to play. Like as soon as it leaves Game Pass, it leaves everybody's well, mind and consciousness. I, I think I think we'll need some like clarification garbage. on those specifics that you're claiming, uh, probably with some data. Because as I understood, the whole point was to release the multiplayer as a free system because that's what most of everyone else, that's what Call of Duty started doing. So instead of just making it like, you know, Halo Warzone, they just decided to release the standard Halo multiplayer. Um, but if you want to, yeah, provide some follow-up yeah, information I'll, with that. see if I can find some. Um, however... Back to forward onto Dawn and why it's amazing is because I, I don't think they use the music in this one because it's a fan production that does become a bit hairy. Even if it is a fan production, the music can still screw you on copyright. It's it, Copyright laws, it, it, they seem straightforward, but man, are they complicated to navigate sometimes. And so I think with, with what we were uh, given with this series, even on the music... It was still good. It still landed. And in the grand scheme of things, everything else about this is Halo love. Everything about this is is done out of love for the show, or excuse me, for the fans, for the game. And that's why this would be the show that I want to see. This is exactly the Halo production that, that I want. It doesn't even follow Master Chief. It follows Lasky. And it's still good. So, we know it's not impossible to make a good Halo series. We've already seen it. We've had it since 2012. We've had it for 10 years. But, I, I just, I don't understand the mentality of all of this modern garbage anymore. And, our stream's not about to be uh, forbidden here, is it? <laughs> so, I... Sorry, there's just a young woman that keeps coming in with, it only, with a towel on, and I'm like, okay. I... Oh, not a towel. Uh, her blanket. Okay, so she's not... No, she's professional. Okay. <laughs> no worries. But her dexterity is good. It's not going to come down either way. No. Good. 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 That's all. I. That's all. I just. I just wanted to make sure. It's fine if she wants to come and say hi in the show. I don't have a problem with it. I. I. You know. Even had my cats on, or had one of the cats on earlier. It's not a problem. We're we're a little casual, relaxed here. It's just you know we can't have noises that sound like you're either taking a pee or washing dishes. You know it's it's we still want to keep it somewhat professional, but Absolutely. we acknowledge that we're in home studios, guys. If you guys haven't figured it out, we are not a uh, professional grade show. We're trying to be. We're trying to be a professional grade show, and we're definitely working on our on our uh, delivery. If, if, but if granted the finances, we will become. Uh, now, even if somebody pays a sponsorship, you're still going to see kitties. You're still going to hear babies <laughs> screaming. I don't care. This is this is a family-friendly show. We're, we're PG-13 for a reason, and it's because we acknowledge that, believe it or not, we do have other lives. We aren't just uh, YouTube, uh, aspiring YouTube sensational personalities. We, we are actual people, which is why we're here talking about our actual people problems with this series. Well, not really with the Halo series. Like, I don't even want to talk about it as much anymore, just, but... That's kind of hard to do when you bring up other source material, and I'm not so petty as to not reference the Halo show at the same time. So, it is what it is. But, the point is, this is a great example of a proper treatment of a universe. And it's not, it, it, it's, it's not impossible. And this is what we want to see, and that's why I'm featuring this on our show. This is what the fans want, Paramount. They don't want your, so, here, you know what, I'm going to even do you one better. I'm going to do you one better. 
what you should do right now, Paramount Plus, is not necessarily cancel your Halo show, but let's go ahead and put that one on ice for now. Let's take who, who let's take your cast of characters and let's reach out to the guys who made this forward unto Dawn. And let's get them to write a whole new show for you. And you can still keep Pablo Schreiber as Master Chief because to his credit, he is excited for the role. I cannot fault him for wanting to try and make the best of his situation and wanting to, to, to continue to do the job. He didn't say anything hateful in his tweet. He was very straightforward about, you know, I'm doing this for the love of the fans, whether they like it or not. And it's like, all right, fine. You want to do that? Great. You can still be Master Chief. You're not my Master Chief, but you are the best Master Chief cosplayer out there right now. You cast everybody into this into this show written by the people who did Forward Unto Dawn, and you give us that story. Okay, once that becomes a resounding success, then you can start exploring alternate universe concepts, if you still even want to at that point. Then you can start doing your shows written by hack writers, because at that point, you're giving the fans a choice between the product they want and the product that you think they want. That is the best way to go doing this because I don't believe in complete and total censorship of people's ideas just because I don't like them or because they're bad. I think that there's a better way to go about getting your message across and you can do that by listening to the fans first, okay? Yes, there's going to be those people who just don't like your product. You don't want to know why? And this is the mind blower right here. There are 7 billion distinct personalities in existence on this earth right now not all seven billion of those people are going to have the same taste in things some people that like halo the game aren't going to like any kind of halo live action show it's just how they are it's what they want there's people who like just combat evolved and think that all the rest of the halo games are garbage i don't agree with that comment i don't agree with that but they exist their, their silly opinions, as I perceive them to be silly, are there. There are people who only like Halo 3 and think that all the other Halo games were a mistake. That is how diverse the Halo community is, just on Halo, is every single person has their different perspective. Every single person has their own idea of what Halo is supposed to be. So no, you're not going to get everybody to like whatever you're putting out. That is an impossibility. Because, and it's the same thing with Star Wars. Star Wars has a lot of products and properties that people love and say is, oh yes, this is truly canon for Star Wars. There are, I have met fans for Star Wars who either, uh, who are diehard OT trilogy. There is nothing in the universe that exists outside of the original three movies. And you know what? That's okay. Those fans are allowed to have those opinions. There's also fans who think that only episode four and episode five exist and that six was so bad in their opinion that it's not there. So no, you aren't going to have a series that pleases everybody, but that's okay. The difference is, however, when you try to make a product that the fans love, like Forward Unto Dawn, versus the product that you're trying to force on fans, like the current version of the show. Okay, you have the money, you have the resources, Find better writers who are excited about the product, okay? That's all you have to do. It's really that simple. It's not, this isn't that hard. And yet it seems like every single person in charge of current pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Star Trek, Halo, Doctor Who, you name it, they just don't seem to understand. And instead, the reaction is to blame the fans. 
Okay, that doesn't work. That is not a long-term solution to your immediate failure. And in the long run, here's what happens. If you start putting the fans first, if you prioritize what the fans want and you put that on display for the world to see, we're not even going to remember the bad. That's how much we're going to enjoy this show. Because I've had it. I've had these conversations with people who are like, hey, remember when such and such sucked? And I'm like, yeah. Why do you want to remember that? If you didn't like it, why do you care to remember how much you hated it and how much it made you feel like it made you feel angry? Why would you put energy and focus on something? And a lot of people have started to change their tune and go, oh, yeah, if it does suck, why do I waste time thinking about it? There you go. Yeah, it, it's... <sighs> You're when you write a movie, when you try to sell anything, and there's already a known user base, it's not only it's it's pretty telling when you completely disregard that user base, um, especially in terms of just general sales, like. If you're going to try and sell hammers to carpenters, but then you say, we built the hammer that no carpenter would ever want. Carpenter, why aren't you buying our hammers? Halo fans, we're going to spend $200 million on this IP. And we aren't going to use any source material that made you Halo fans in the first place. Why do you hate us? And why do you hate our production so much well we don't hate the writers like i i it, if the writers are hurt by my statements know that it's because you disrespected me and you're hearing me say my opinions about your disrespect it is not that i hate you it's yeah, not we, that we i wish death, death upon you or ill wishes on this show and by any means i i i want you to hear me understand how you disrespected me and improve in season two improve at the end of season one improve by writing better tomorrow i want you to be better tomorrow i don't want you to lose your job forever but i also exactly. don't want you to ever think that you did good when you wrote this I don't care if you wrote it 237 times i don't care if you wrote it a million times the product that you gave out was bad. The reason it was bad was by your own admission, you didn't look at the source material. Because you didn't believe that the game had any weight or any value, you failed. The whole reason we're Halo fans is because of the Halo games. The only reason anybody liked Forward Unto Dawn is because they loved Halo. The only reason anybody liked any of the books about the Halo verse is because they loved Halo first, which means you disrespected your target audience, you disrespected your consumers, and you failed. Eat the fail, now get up and do better tomorrow. Because you're a person, and like me, I think you can do better. Every time you fail, you gotta fail hard, and you gotta know how hard you failed, so you never do it again. If anything, this is the show that tells you what to never do again. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, it, it's cliche to say it this way, but it's it's really from, from the heart and it's the truth. It is that, you know, we're not mad. We're, uh, we're disappointed. 
because we know it could have been better. We know we know what better is, and and that's that's all we want is is to see something that's. We just want a quality product that pr- properly honors the universe that we fell in love with, and unfortunately, the Halo series does not. Whereas Forward Unto Dawn does. Now we're gonna get a little uh, thick. Things are going to get a little confusing on the perspective here as we go into our next segment because we'll be pulling our Twitch clip from our initial thoughts of the latest and greatest in Master Chief Collection fan service. The Flood have invaded Firefight. This is from our casual filth live stream, which we casually do. It's our casual stream for casual gamers. We don't have a set schedule yet, but we just kind of go live whenever we feel like it throughout the week. And we might start doing this more regularly when we can figure out the encoding so it looks a little more smooth um but until then for now you just have to watch our our footage from last night uh last night's game definitely got quite heated not just because of the flood but because of our our invigorating discussion so we we continue the discussion from this show we keep it over on on that show and and we definitely dive into more sensitive topics sometimes or just more in depth and uh yeah i would say Based on the gameplay alone, John, I had a great time last night, and I'm looking forward to having a great time again soon, even though it's just the gauntlet firefight flood. I was blown away by just how good this actually is. Um, What do you think? I enjoyed the fact that, like, that we got to come back to Halo for a new reason. Uh, I haven't been in the Halo verse since Infinity dropped, uh, and I only or Infinite dropped, and I've only played Infinite to about the end of the main campaign and maybe halfway through the main campaign. I don't remember. And then I just I was done um, because of games like Splitgate and ones that do the multiplayer better. But this one was this was a different type of multiplayer that I've long missed. Uh, I loved how slow everything was in terms of mentally uh there's no sprint function there's no extra objectives it's kill the flood they're coming in waves good luck and i didn't realize how much fun that can be when you think about all the other versions of multiplayers all the other battlegrounds all the other anything else like even hate or call of duty zombies has gotten to the point that like you have to have a guide open while you're playing to be able to find the easter eggs whereas this is just like nope walk in play the game and and we played for what two hours two full maybe even almost two and yeah, yeah we, we streamed for a whole two hours and and while we did have some lively discussion about the disagreement between non-disclosure agreements <laughs> Um, it, it was definitely even just, just while we were screaming at each other, I was still having a good time. Yeah. So, I would, I, at no point did I scream at the game, except right. for that last death, which definitely pissed me off. I was so yeah, mad Yeah, unfortunately our last right round last went out second. in the proper casual way and that we lost. <laughs> so, yeah. it was definitely, uh, it, it, it really is amazing because it takes what was already a decently fun game mode, which... You know, Firefight, for me, I like the arcade version the best. I like being able to fly around and shoot, you know, unlimited missiles and explosions at groups of guys and just watch all the metals fly across the screen. And so, you know, the the regular Firefight I did a couple of times when ODST, which is the the best Halo, 
in my opinion. Uh, when it dropped, though, I did a few of them, and I thought it was good. However, this one is something else. Um, it's not the casual, it's not the same as the arcade version where you get all your overshields and you can just go nuts on a bunch of Covenant. It's, it's back to, it's regular standard gameplay rules. And it is a ton of fun to, 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 surprisingly, it, it creates, because of all the flood, uh, because of all the flood elements with like the haze and whatnot especially on the lower lit levels um i'm actually going to skip ahead to see if i can find a clip from the that one of those specifically i think this one is gonna be it uh yeah so on this is one of them that takes place in one of the odst and it was just nice to be playing odst style again uh i forgot how great that game by itself is so much um playing as the rookie was fantastic i i had a great time um, just really feeling the ODST sort of, because what I like about ODST is, well, it's kind of like the Forward Unto Dawn video game. It's somewhat set apart from the standard Halo, mm. and yet it's still Halo. And yeah, that's it... honestly what, what I like about the ODST atmosphere in general, but I don't, I couldn't figure it out last night. I still can't figure it, figure it out watching the footage again. What is so good about taking the firefight mode? And and they, and they literally, they didn't do anything special. They just put, ah, oh, let's put the Halo 3 flood in there. See what happens. Well, this is tons of fun. Like, it's, oh, it's like the flood adversary was specifically made for this type of gameplay. And I think that's probably why it works the most. Is that yeah, this honestly, is... Go ahead. This, this felt like the flood of the Halo verse. Like, in terms of if you were to imagine the Flood landing on Earth or any planet, at some point, it's going to end up very zombies-esque. It's going to end up where you're trapped on the top floor of a building and survive. Good luck. Like, you can be the greatest, you know, super soldier, ODST drop soldier, whatever. You're still fighting a scary weird moving weird attacking sporadic enemy and I, yeah i found that to be just not so much like realistic like oh i felt the feedback and i felt like my character was like actually in a tense moment no it's more just like i was fighting and playing the same couple levels in a row but fighting a very realistic enemy over and over and over again. And even though, like, as we wrapped up at the end of the night and I was definitely getting done in terms of playing, like, I had played my amount, I don't, I didn't miss any of my other games while I was playing this. The only thing I didn't like about this game was I forgot all the controls. And it took me, like, eight mistakes every single time to figure out where my reload button was or how to turn my night vision off because I kept pressing X and turning it back on. Like, it, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that I would rather, like, I can't say that that makes it bad. That's just me not remembering the rules of the game. And so therefore, like, I didn't have a bad experience at all. Like, that was my only element of frustration was I forgot how everything works. And that's it. Otherwise, I was like, no, this feels equal to all the other multiplayer 
simple or simplified small map games that I've played in the last 10 years. And it it just felt good. It just felt fun. And the enemy just felt like a worthy adversary. Like like I said, I died at the very last possible chance last night, but that was after like six rounds of just rushing it. Like we didn't start losing all our lives until we were like, oh wait, we've only got one more round to go. And then it was like, okay, they keep dorming us with the big guys. And that was obnoxious. But yeah, that was... no, it, it, it's definitely a challenge if you're just doing two people. And I, I think that's that's really what makes it special is that it's not necessarily impossible to overcome. But man, is it a challenge still. And, and even that isn't like I had a couple of solo runs that I didn't necessarily beat. But I managed to survive to the end, which I consider, you know, at least half of a victory. And so it, it's it's just it's so simple, and yet that's probably what works for this game mode is that it's something that one it, it's perfect for me as a casual because I can go in, I can play, and I'm working on a team. There's no there's no people that are like you know trying to kill you unless they're trying to steal your weapon, but then you just boot them anyway. So whatever, the toxicity kind of filters itself out. There's no, you know, oh, I'm better than you at a video game nonsense going on. It's all, it, it, it's it's teamwork, it's fun, it's engaging, it's exciting. It, it's just, it's, it's what made Halo great, honestly. Like, Firefight was a really good addition in of itself, but Firefly, uh, Firefight with Flood? I, that's like two things, it's like two, it's like putting two things together that you didn't think belonged. And yet, it's the greatest. It's one of the greatest things ever. I, I think this is probably going to cause a spike in the Master Chief Collection um, user base. I mean, a lot of a lot of the Halo communities are excited about this. Like, it's so simple, yet it was so obvious. Yeah, of course the flood should be a firefight mode. Duh. And, and yeah, we were getting matches, like, every time we queued up, I think our wait time was less than two minutes last night. Like, that's how excited a lot of people are about this. About this. And, and it makes for a great just casual play for us and then we can have our casual conversations about whatever and and so i'm we'll probably be doing probably doing some more uh, casual fill streams with this throughout the next couple weeks because it's fun and and you know that's what we're about at the writer brothers is games that are fun and doing stuff that's fun and so i don't know what do you uh what what tweaks would you prefer to see like are there any improvements you can think of for this See, I want the Halo Infinite uh, HUD and movement structure. I actually did enjoy the fact that Sprint was finally added. I've just gotten so used to it in modern games. Um, and uh, honestly, I want more Flood. In terms of, like, like, I don't know what the whole point system is supposed to be. I get that there might be some form of battle pass leveling progression. But I would prefer just more enemies. Like I felt like there were a lot of dead periods. Um, but like that this is me being picky because yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of just pure enjoyment that I didn't like. Like I have a friend who does a Throwback Thursday podcast or a stream on Twitch, and he tries to find old games, anything at least ten years old, and he was. Yeah, ODST, I can't remember. I just read the release date, but it was it was not recently, right? So this could technically fall back under or fall under a Throwback Thursday type stream, 
And in that instance, I didn't see it. Like playing last night, I didn't feel like I was playing an old game that lost all of its fun. Yeah, like honestly, this is one of the first multiplayer experiences in a long time that I found wholly entertaining from the first mission to the last mission. And like, I think they did it very well. I think it's very simple in terms of like, you're, you're fighting aliens, you're gonna get in the battle, go win, good luck. But in, in the way that it's, it works over the years, it still works, it still looks good. It, they, like you said, bringing back the ODST characters, like I always liked the ODST HUD. I think it's more, it's slightly more debilitating because it's bigger, but it's also more real in terms of, it, it felt like I was wearing a helmet while playing through. And I thought that was really, like I've always enjoyed that about ODST. Um, but yeah, like as far as changes go, like I just want more enemies and sprint back. And maybe the grapple feature. I really liked that grapple feature in Infinite. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. And, and I think if Infinite does do a firefight, I, I think there's definitely potential for that to work in, in this as it does for ODST. But at the same time, that's, that's what I liked about going back to it was, yes, I was hitting my shift key several different times. And I was like, all right, that doesn't exist. And I think it could work, sure, but at the same time, I mean, it's it's part of the nostalgia of going back to the older game is that you play it For as sure. it originally was. Now, that said, of course, uh, this might be something you can do that I did to help me, is I basically mirrored the infinite controls as best I could for my all of my Master Chief controls. So that way it's two separate, that's way it's all the same because it kind of makes sense. Like the first person shooter is not a complicated platform. Doesn't matter if it's Call of Duty, Halo, uh, Battlefield, whatever. If all of the companies want to set their default to the exact same set, I think that's actually going to be good for the games in the long run because then that keeps consistency. And with that consistency, you don't feel as, it doesn't feel as clunky. So then you're not, you know, okay, I got to go zoom. Oh, I threw a grenade at my teammate again. It helps to mitigate that. So I see what you're saying, the frustration. So my first bit of advice to you and to everybody else watching would be to pick your favorite FPS game that you're playing right now. The one that you play the most and basically just make that those controls your default controls across the board for all of your FPS games. And then you'll actually find yourself playing your games more often because you realize, oh, it's basically seamless aside from a couple of different minor functions that you can't change. Um, so that would be my uh, helpful, friendly suggestion to you and anybody else who, who is having trouble playing this again. Because, yes, I was like, oh, I got to run away. I can't. <laughs> so that was it always makes you kind play of one better, of though. Things. I liked about Halo in terms of like, like it, it, it's one of the few games where running away is hardly an option. Like it's turning right. your back on the enemy, you're not sprinting away, and they can run faster than you. And for some reason, when you turn around, they can run way faster than you. So like, it's like always back up and shoot, back up and retreat, never, yeah. don't let your enemy get your backside. And I think that's actually a really interesting mechanic that survives time but again I, I just me being predisposed to sprint makes me think that that would be something I would want back but right. that's it it's, just, it's a predisposition not necessarily uh, 
the um it's not a requirement it's not something that's gonna like convince me to come back but in any means yeah i mean it's it's definitely i think it's fine with the way it is right now um i i can see your point about adding more adversaries more more target practice is definitely good oh man i will say this though the sentinels were up wow do those things spank like I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I want to say that they should be nerfed per se because they weren't no. such an added challenge that it was impossible. But man, when they showed up, I was like, oh, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Okay, I'm dead. So, so if you don't have cover from them, which you know, it's like okay, compared to the Master Chief, that's overkill. But compared to the ODSTs, maybe that's appropriate. Is that the Sentinels are actually a bit of a challenge and they're not just as simple as as oh, I'll just you know shoot them so simple like yeah one beam and your your stamina which is basically the uh that, that game's version of your shield is drained instantly like you're on the you're on the fritz of death at that point or on the fringe of death at that point like if you see sentinels you gotta have proper cover and then and then of course good aim doesn't hurt either <laughs> so you can see i'm trying to work on my sniping skills in that one i actually managed to down one but oh that was a direct hit on that one too um that's funny because this is like one of my favorite things about going back to the old halos is the reduction in recoil i feel like a lot of games have gotten so put so much emphasis on the worst parts of real life uh, like heavy recoil from heavy guns like, I get that that, you know, provides realism, but, like, as somebody who actively enjoys shooting, I hate recoil every single time. Um, I can't stand that my guns try to run away from me, that they always pull up or down, depending on which way you're standing, which way you're holding the weapon. But in my games, I'm okay with, like, like in the case of the sniper rifle, it's, like, that recoil while it's reloading... Okay, fine. But when you put the circle back, put the circle back where it belongs. Don't move my reticle because then it feels like I have to counterbalance and then my switch guns and I have to remember which guns do how much recoil. And it, it just feels like more to think about. Whereas in this one, it's like, no, the gun goes back where you put it every time. And it makes it a lot easier for me to hip fire. Like, I think I zoomed like four times last night, mostly because I forgot how and I kept throwing grenades at walls but also because like I didn't need to I could compensate without constantly using ADS and aim down sights and stuff like that it felt a lot it just felt more like it, casual it felt like a casual first person shooter with a uncasual experience because you are being overwhelmed by the flood but also at a casual pace because I couldn't sprint around the whole map the whole time and it, it just it, it made me learn about like putting myself in the right space of the map and then just play that spot and let the team take care of the other spots and from there i was able to just get more and more comfortable into my role on the team and i think it's really funny because our last game we were playing we played every game up until the last one with four players and then the last one the other two players dropped out about a third of the way in or maybe halfway through and it took us until the last the beginning of the last round to realize that we were two-man teaming at the worst possible time <laughs> i thought that was really funny 
that we were just we didn't you don't really need all four people but you definitely need two oh yeah no it, it like i said I, I i managed to survive a couple of or at least one solo round before we had uh before we had started streaming and so it's it's definitely hard and the challenge is there um, but yeah, it, it, you, it's definitely a lot easier to complete games when you have a full team. And I think that's kind of what it's designed for. Like trying to do lone gun, uh, nonsense in this, in this particular game mode defeats the purpose of this game mode. It, this, if you want to do lone gun, go play the campaign. That's what it's there for. This is, is, is meant to like put, you know, it's, it's a return of what made the first part of what made the first person shooter so amazing in the first place. It's the fact that, that it does, there is a team element. And if you all can't at least competently point the gun at the enemy and shoot them, I, I mean, it's just not going to work. But that's what I like about Firefight is you're not really, you know, yes, you can have a player on there that's a, that's a filthy casual like ourselves. And if they're even just halfway competent, you'll still be able to get a victory. Everybody feels good. Everyone feels accomplished because it's not just one person that's carrying it, <laughs> except for me. Uh, now, I, I did notice last night my scores were pretty high, which, uh, you know what? All right, I found something I'm good at for once. Yay. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't have been able to get those high scores if I didn't have the rest of the team there to help kill all the other adversaries. It's team... Yeah, team. Our two-man scores were nowhere near as high as our four-team scores were. Yeah. It, yeah. I don't know if that's like because they there's more flood rendered for the four-player team, or if we just maybe were bad because there was only two of us. Like, it legitimately felt well balanced in each area. But like, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get it come across as saying that like the casual feel makes it slow paced like oh, oh it is slower not. but it's still like you've got to constantly move you've got to constantly check where all of the uh respawn points are because there was a lot of times in there where the aliens or the flood were or they were coming out of the wrong tunnels and like you could be posted up on one side of the map and you're spending 10 minutes not seeing anything or anyone but your team's racking in points and you're like oh i'm just on the wrong side and then you gotta walk yourself over there but that that's nice you know it, it, it it's not like you can just spam the spawn wall and get all of your kills in a row and just end every match in five seconds instead it's like you can think that that's the wall they're coming from because they came from it twice but this third time they're coming up the middle and you're nowhere near the middle and it, it's really fun it's really it's simple, but well-paced. It's well, it's very entertaining for its simplicity. Yeah, yeah, it just, it goes to show that it doesn't matter how, you know, it doesn't matter how advanced your product is, because while while Infinite is currently the best-looking game, it's it's losing its popularity, because it's it just, it's failed to deliver so much already. I mean, already co-op's going to be delayed again, so... While I'm looking forward to that, at least they're doing something right with Master Chief Collection and that it hasn't been left in the dust because this is a lot of fun. It's kind of scary. Like, when I first saw my first Flood with a hammer, I was like, oh, great, that's the thing. Oh, and here we have Flood with swords. That's that's even scarier. But then it was the Flood driving the ghosts, which I, I don't remember ever seeing up until this point, which I was like, oh, 
so they can do that now. And man, they're pretty deadly on them ghosts too. Like it's not a. They are so responsive. I was so annoyed trying to steal ghost was harder than it's ever been. That's why I want the gap grappling hook back. I know. I know, that would have mitigated all the problems with Borne, because now, now, especially on a map like this, where they spawn where driving ghosts, you actually have to, like, okay, where is he at? Where is he going? Where can I convince him to go that I can jump on him and board? Because the second that ghost sees me, I'm dead. Whereas when you use the ghost against the flood, it's like, it's like using a squirt gun all of a sudden. I couldn't, I was yeah, like, I, hey. I didn't get hardly any shooter kills with the ghost but I know, man it's all did i get kills. a ton of splatter kills <laughs> I, I know one of so our, it's like so but that's part of what keeps the challenge good that they somehow managed to balance it out to where just because you get a vehicle because that's that that's one of the staples of halo is like oh you have a vehicle you're god now whereas oh you have a vehicle but hey guess what it's the flood <laughs> the vehicle doesn't mean anything and that's that's really what works is it adds to the challenge it adds to the okay i need to actually think this through i can't just run up guns blazing and board like i can if i'm taking over from a grunt or a brute or even an elite and and so it it gets you to really think about your tactics more it gets you to have to plan better you know you can't just just and then with all the different skulls on you can't depend on on alien weaponry you have to get gotta get good with the projectile weapons again which you gotta memorize that, yeah, you have maps like this one where it constantly drops a battle rifle well all right that's no big deal except against these guys i really liked how tough these guys are because even if you're aiming for their head they're still bullet sponges which that's impressive yeah. the, the balance that they managed to put into this version of the game i'm very impressed with not only how it just hit every mark right out of the gate but i again our complaints for this are small like, I don't have anything terrible to say about this game mode. And no, it's so simple. Yeah. Our, our complaints aren't even really complaints, just desires for specific improvements that we've seen the future installments of the games already implement. Like, we're not... Yeah. Like, I'm not asking for anything that Bungie and 343 haven't already proven that they can do. Because everything else about this game is fun everything else about this experience is fun i'm just like you guys have done that can i get that as well like it, it really feels like the difference between coke and vanilla coke like i'm just asking for vanilla coke if you got it like if for some reason the engine that you know produced odst can't provide those things cool you don't even have to tell me i get it but if it can let me know so i can wait for that update you know, like it's it's really not a question of like do this or else. It's more of a could you do this maybe, and if you don't, oh well. Yeah, like I was very impressed with how much the bonus round is really more of a it, it it's, it's kind of more of a kick in the balls of a bonus round than the other bonus rounds for the firefight modes, and and it's like. Yeah, once you're dead, it doesn't matter how many lives you have. Like, yeah, with this team, we had 15 lives all the way to the end. So I don't think anybody died that round except for right at the end, which is in of itself impressive. And uh, it, it's, yeah, no, that was, let's see, what was the final score on that one? It'll show up here. I don't want to click ahead and accidentally miss it because that was a two-hour stream, and that's a small, small window to jump ahead for the final score. Uh, we'll wait for that to pop up, though. Um, 
yeah, it's it's ama it amazes me though. It's simple. It's straightforward. It's it's a gauntlet that you can either survive to the end as we did in this round or not. And uh, uh, it doesn't say if how many died, but yeah, that's pretty fairly even score across the board, except for you. Oh man, you spanked in that one. Wow. I actually did pretty I terrible. I was third. Huh. That was a good run. Yeah, you must have really been in the zone for that time. Oh, it's heroic. That's the default. Uh, that's the difficulty. That's why wow. it's a lot of fun. Hard. I didn't even notice that. So yeah, that's the default difficulty setting is is heroic, and that's that's why it works. I mean, the balancing, like I said, I'm impressed with the balancing. I'm impressed with with the the deployment of this uh, update was very well done overall. I'm looking forward to playing more over the next couple weeks. We may even feature this as another segment on a future episode again because it's it's that good. It'll probably just be a smaller segment, though. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I love when our shows are mostly positive. Leaves us on a good note. Leaves us feeling good. Leaves us uh, reflecting on, on, on good quality content that's out there that and this is, we can this is, see. This is the evidence how much we love Halo. Like, every time Halo drops something that is quality halo we're gonna be there and we're gonna tell you check it out it's fun and in any halo that we have seen in the past we're gonna let you know where to find it and that we've seen it and that we've enjoyed it because we are fans of the universe that is the halo verse and even if you know somebody fails like we're just gonna we're we're, we're trying to tell people when they fail not necessarily call them failures right exactly exactly because we love the products and we want them to succeed and and we right. don't want to diminish anyone's effort and, and that's what's you know that's really what's sad the most is that we're not we, we don't want to be angry about stuff all the time but it's hard not to be disappointed and it's also hard not to feel for a lot of the artists that, that go into things like this all the all the cgi people all the set designers all the costume designers you know who really pour their hearts into this stuff and so that that's what i want to make sure is clear is like to those of you guys that work on the background whether it's on the video game whether it's on the show um or in a movie we we, we are not mad at you and if we were we would say so it, it really comes from the top and it's really it's the writers that are screwing you guys it's the production team that's that's sign you know members of the production team the producers that sign off on what the writers say they're the ones that are causing the grief okay everybody who's passionate about projects we're all on the same team at the end of the day we all want the best and we all want it to succeed we're just not gonna lower our standards and pretend that it's great um yeah Especially not in this day and age when there's so many ways to consume all of the different types of media. Like, if you don't ever want to actually play through the entire Halo story, I understand. But go Google it. YouTube it. Watch the entire cinematics. All of them. Somebody's put them somewhere. You know, like, just like all the source material for any good anything. Take the time. Be deliberate. Be conscious. And take the L when you lose. Because that's what a good Learn. sport does. Yes. And and I love you. All of you writers. All of you people that made all right. anything. Yeah, we're I up against the clock content. now. This is it. So, once again, thank you, Carrion, uh, for when you... Well, we missed you tonight. We love you. We hope you get to come back. Our thoughts and prayers are with you, but... Uh, I'm P.D. York with the Ryder Brothers. We'll see you next time.